Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, continues in our series called Christmas Questions. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or on our Brookwood app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. Here comes heaven, but heaven's already come. Jesus has arrived, and all of us who've received him have already inherited heaven. We live there today. You know, we reside on earth, but our true, our true existence is in heaven, the spiritual life. I hope that you're recognizing that more and more. And my hope this season is that you would experience your true identity, a resident of heaven, that you would know and could tangibly discern the presence of God. You know, I think that God does come near during Christmas because everything that we see is because of Christ. It might be disconnected from Christ, it may be separated from faith, but not for us. So let me urge you, use this time to enhance your awareness, your sensitivity to the presence of God. Every time you look at a particularly tacky house, remember why it's there and reflect on the presence of God and then extend it after Christmas to enhance your awareness of God's reality in your life. Take out your message guide. We continue our series, Christmas Questions. Now, I think children probably ask the most interesting and the most entertaining questions at Christmas, like, Mom, do reindeer really fly? And children's questions reveal what they're interested in, what they're thinking about. But so do the questions of adults. Sometimes we can cover what we're thinking, but if we're speaking honestly, then our questions will reveal what's on our minds, what's in our hearts. A young woman named Mary was surprised by a visit from an angel over 2,000 years ago. And the angel told her that she would become pregnant with a very special child. The theme verse for today and the question for today is on top of your outline. And Mary asked the angel, how can, but how can this happen? Her inquiry and our title for this message was an innocent question. We begin in Luke chapter one. As I told you, all the Christmas narrative, they're found, they're only found in two places, Matthew and Luke, the first two chapters. I urge you to spend some time during this Christmas season reading that, refreshing your mind. And this is on page 820 in the Bible available at Brookwood. At verse 26, we begin. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we'll deal with Elizabeth next week, 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. What does the word angel mean? Just means messenger. That's what it means, but it's a messenger from God. Now, Nazareth, a village in Galilee, Galilee is the region around the Sea of Galilee. Nazareth was, Nazareth was a small, insignificant village. Perhaps at the time of Mary's life, only about 400 uneducated farmers, shepherds, and laborers, and many of whom, most of whom, were poor and lived in limestone caves. Jews in Judea, which is the southern part of Israel, where Jerusalem and the temple were located, actually disdained Jews in the north around Galilee because there were many more Gentiles in the north. And so their culture wasn't as pure. There were a lot more Gentiles intermixed with Jews and there was a sort of a looseness or a laxness regarding God's law. So those in the south disrespected those in the north and yet the north was where the angel Gabriel went. At verse 27, so the angel went to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged, was she engaged? Betrothed. Betrothal is very different. Um, it's interesting, our culture today uses the word fiance, which used to mean engaged with a ceremony coming to just mean two people that are living together. But this engagement, which was actually betrothal, was a legally binding year-long relationship that was breakable only by divorce. So they were considered in one sense almost married, and yet they were awaiting the ceremony, but they didn't live together. There was no um, personal, maybe no personal, but certainly no intimate contact between the two. And betrothal could occur soon after puberty for a woman. And therefore, Mary was likely not more than 15 at this age and may have been as young as 13. So she was betrothed to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Mary was as well. Now, Mary's question wasn't voicing skepticism. In fact, I think Mary's question reveals her innocence, her personal innocence and the innocence of her relationship with God. An innocent relationship with God includes several characteristics and we'll look at three today. First, conviction about God's guidelines. Verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. Now, the word favored in the Greek is actually charis, and it can be translated favored, yes, or graced or blessed. The Lord is with you. Now, there's a location in Israel where they believe this occurred, and I will show a picture. 
This is in a cave below a church. And so you see the altar was where they believed Mary stood and the pillar to my right is where they believed that the angel stood in this cave, which was Mary's home. Now there's a full church above called the Church of the, the Annunciation. And Annunciation just means announcement. The angel Gabriel arrived and announced this information, this startling information to Mary. But if you backed up and saw a wider picture, there's also a church in front of this altar. So in Israel, and I hope that you'll save your nickels and one day you'll be able to go. It's a wonderful experience. But it doesn't look exactly like it looked in the days of Mary, obviously, but we're thankful that the Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church actually moved in and protected many of these sites, but they are altered in their appearance. So there's a more liturgical approach to it today, but you can still see what was there originally. And you can tell this was a cave and was likely Mary's house. You say, well, how do they know that was Mary's house? Well, it could be the wrong house, but when something so significant happens and it passes from person to person, there's a high likelihood of accuracy because of the significance of what occurred there. Verse 29, confused and disturbed. Now, it doesn't say startled and frightened, does it? It says confused and disturbed, not by the angel's appearance. The angel may have appeared human. There may have been nothing about him that shocked her other than that he showed up in her home. He may not have glowed. We see in movies that things he's glowing or he's semi-transparent, perhaps, but we don't really see that in this text. What we see in the rest of this sentence says Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So she was confused and disturbed or unsettled by his words, not by his appearance. And scripture tells us that many times we entertain angels unaware. She must have wondered, how am I favored by God? I'm uneducated, uncultured, poor. My life is menial, it's tedious, it's ordinary. And the angel continued. And remember now, this, this is no more than a 15-year-old woman. I say that for kindness. I might would say 15-year-old girl. And a 15-year-old is kind of be, between a woman and a girl, isn't she? I raised two of them, much to my delight. And const, consternation at times. Verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor. That's the second time he's saying this. He's reassuring this young woman. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Jesus. Now, now Jesus is a Greek word. It's a transliteration 
of the Hebrew word Yeshua or the English word Joshua. And it means Yahweh, the personal name of God, saves. Hence, the name Jesus actually means Savior. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. And he will reign over Israel, literally the house of Jacob, forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Mary would not have been surprised by this reference to a messianic king, though she would have been shocked that she was to be his mother because they all believed that a warrior king would come to deliver them. You can read it in Isaiah 9. You can read it in Jeremiah 33. Mary was favored by God because she was chosen by him to be the mother of Israel's Messiah. But she wasn't chosen because she was perfect or sinless or had memorized the Bible. She certainly didn't even possess a copy of the Torah. There were few copies. They were mostly maintained in the temple. She was chosen, I believe, because she was devoted to God. And she was graced because of this choice. She was chosen to be used by God in this most significant way. And here's the question. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. See, Mary's question was not based on doubt or skepticism. It was an expression of her innocence that reflected her age but it was also an assertion of her moral and sexual purity. Now, how many of you have raised 15-year-old girls, young women? Well, do you know anything about when you have falsely accused them of something? <laughs> Even very kind ones can strongly step up. And I think you see Mary accurately when you see She's reassuring, perhaps she knows it's an angel. Maybe she thinks it's only a man. But no, no, I'm, I'm a virgin. It wasn't a statement of unbelief like Zechariah's was I covered last week. It was an expression of faith. But it was also a question of fact by a 15-year-old teenager who was asserting her obedience she was asking this angel, well, tell me more. I don't understand how this can happen because I have never been intimate with a man. And if we want to have an innocent, pure relationship with God, we must, like Mary, live with the conviction to obey God's guidelines in every area of our life. And those guidelines, those instructions, those directions are given to us in the scripture. Now there's nothing wrong with asking God honest questions for clarification or for understanding. That doesn't dishonor God. In fact, seeking answers from God 
can be motivated by a desire for greater insight, for deeper intimacy with him. Because you see, you're confused about something. You move toward him. You don't step away from him. And I would say, persist. You don't understand? Keep going back. Keep asking. God's not dishonored when you move toward him with questions, you see? Now, questions are different than doubts. And honest inquiries are different than skepticism. So move toward God. Do you ask God questions? How many of you asked God a question this week? Let me see. Did he answer or has he answered yet? Keep persisting, see, because that's a relationship persistence. Ask God's question to receive his guidance. And in receiving that guidance, you grow to know him better. You see? An innocent relationship with God includes certainty about God's word. Verse 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, interestingly, the same word, overshadow, but in the Hebrew version, applied to the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. That's in Exodus 40, verse 35. So the baby to be born in you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. Now I want you to think about something for a moment. The Holy Spirit was going to overshadow her. Well, the scripture says that the spirit of God overshadowed the holy of holies and his glory filled that space. Well, the glory of God filled Mary. And I wonder, I want you to think about this. I wonder whether that's not the way God works within us when we're born again. When God's spirit overshadows us, regenerates us, fills us with his glory. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't cause each of us to conceive. That would be impossible for me. Well, nothing's impossible with God, I should say, shouldn't I? But but I wonder whether this work of the Spirit in impregnating Mary is the same as the way he fills us with himself and with his glory. Now, was Mary already born again or was this the point of her being born again? We don't know that. You can, you can think on that. You can pray on that. But all salvation is a work of the Spirit of God. See, Jesus' holiness resulted from being conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was fully human, but he didn't inherit a sinful nature, human nature, because the spirit was his parent. He inherited humanity 
from his mother, but he did not inherit the sin nature. But it wasn't because Mary was sinless. Nothing in the scripture ever says Mary was sinless. But the presence of the spirit caused this conception and this child to be holy. Now the word holy doesn't exclusively mean pure. It really means other. But it includes the idea of moral purity, of innocence from sin. Incarnation literally means in flesh, which is divinity entering humanity. Then the angel, see all of us really today are living incarnate in that sense because the divine spirit lives in every one of us who are born again. Then the angel used a personal example of God's miraculous power for someone Mary knew to give her some reassurance. I mean, don't lose sight that this woman was 15 or less. And look at how this, the behavior and the words of the angel are appropriate for someone so young. Verse 36, what's more, he says, your relative, and its older cousin, perhaps, perhaps an aunt, will become pregnant in her old age. I told you she was likely over 60, which is ancient. <laughs> People used to say that she was barren, barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Some manuscripts say this. For the word of God will never fail. And the manuscript includes the word rhema, which means the utterance of God or the intention of God will prevail. Mary was certain that what the angel described would occur, don't you think? She may have not understood the way it would happen exactly or the meaning of this angel's response, but she would know it when it happened to her physically, personally, experientially. Her innocent relationship with God meant that she accepted as true whatever he said, whether it was speaking through the scriptures or in this startling experience through an angel. Mary knew God. So she was certain that his words were true by faith. If we want to have an innocent relationship with God, we too must accept the truthfulness of his word. But it's always appropriate, as I said, to ask for understanding. James chapter one, you can read one through 11 and see that. But when you ask, James 1 tells us, don't be double-minded, which means when you ask, 
Don't then keep asking for a lot of other opinions. God's responses to us are always true. But not often complete. Is that true? Is that square with what you know? He typically provides us answers that lead us to the next step. But rarely, now I'm speaking from experience and observation. I don't have a verse to cite you on this. But rarely does he give us a description of his entire plan. Is that true for you? Who, who is experiencing that right now? You're asking God and you want him to tell me, tell you, where will we end up? He's not going to tell you likely. He's going to tell you enough for you to take one more step. Because you see, when God responds to us, his motivation is always to reinforce our relationship with him. He's not just gonna tell you a designation for you to head for on your own. He wants us to walk with him each day, connected to him, asking him, trusting him. Now we're certain that his word, the Bible is true because we know the author. We have experienced the one who is truth, Jesus. The Bible is the expression of the word, which is the name of Jesus, Logos in John 1. So we, the, we believe the Bible is true about salvation, about morality, about human nature, the spirit world, even about creation by faith. Not mere faith, but trust based on experience. You know, some of you may have been, have been puzzled before about creation and you're trying to read all the resources and some from the creation side, some from the evolution side and you know, you're debating how the second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, how does that work if God's a creator and you're struggling with all of that, trying to cognitively figure out something that no one witnessed. But the answer is a relationship with God that's real and personal. And when you experience him as truth, most of those questions will just melt away. Are you certain that the Bible, God's word, is true in all that it addresses? Now be careful. Because if it's true, that means that you cannot believe in God and claim his salvation, which is only taught to us through the same word, and then set your own moral standards for life. You can't do it. An innocent relationship with God includes also commitment to God's service. Verse 38.
Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. See, how did she answer that way? Mary understood that her life belonged to God. So she immediately surrendered herself to fulfill God's plan without hesitation. She didn't know, need to know everything God planned. She didn't need to understand how it would all worked out. She only needed to know what God wanted from her. She wasn't aware of all the challenges, the difficulties, the fear, the pain, the loss that she would endure. And still, she yielded her life. See, understand this. Jews didn't understand that the Messiah would actually be a suffering servant. The scripture says it, but they almost had disregarded that because that what they wanted was a warrior who would deliver them from oppression. And so they disregarded what didn't line up with what they wanted. Now, none of you would ever do that, but some in the other service. Like any teenaged girl, she had plans of her own. Leanne, at what age did our girls start planning their weddings? What? Probably when they were having weddings for their Barbie dolls, don't you? <laughs> girls have plans, they have dreams, they have hopes. And Mary was just like every other girl in her culture. She had plans of her own. She had hopes and dreams for her life that she willingly relinquished. Now, she certainly was graced by God to be entrusted to be the mother of the Messiah. But isn't it interesting? Once she said, do whatever you want with me, that angel quit explaining anything. He left. And after the shock of that supernatural encounter, that message passed, he may have disappeared. She may have then realized, oh my goodness, he was not human. But the message she knew was supernatural anyway. But think about it. Think if it was you. What would go through your mind? She must have wondered immediately, reflected on how her life would change and, and thought, will Joseph still marry me? Will my parents believe me? Will my friends and relatives reject me? She could sadly anticipate that Joseph would end the betrothal, that he would call off the marriage because she would be a pregnant, unmarried woman in a culture that dealt sternly with immorality. And if Joseph did marry her, they would just think he had broken the law and was the father of the child. 
And you know what? That would never be cleared up for most of the people in the village. She must have had a disturbing realization. This is a girl who's lived purely morally, but she she has this realization, I'm going to be regarded as an adulteress. Disrespected, gossiped about, slandered, maybe even stoned. Now, stoning didn't occur nearly as frequently during this time of Mary's life, and particularly up in Galilee, because as, as I told you when I began, they were more lax about the law, the enforcement of the law. But it was still written into the law that she could have been stoned. And then she must have had this shocking thought. You know how something will happen to you and then it'll be like a lightning bolt will hit you. And you'll think, 15 years old, how will I live? Will my father allow me to remain in his home or will I be cast out? She would receive the responsibility of raising the man. Every Jew had been awaiting the Messiah. But who would believe that? And and she must have thought, what can I teach a a boy that's going to lead the nation? When when will he be identified? How will he be identified as the Messiah? But Mary didn't hesitate to accept the angel's assignment because of how she identified herself. She was God's servant. So she would always do whatever he asked of her. See, an innocent relationship with God means that we view ourselves that way. That we are God's servants. So we're willing to do whatever he asks of us with no hesitation, with no conditions, with no exceptions, with no demands. Because we belong to him. In fact, he purchased our lives. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. How often. How many of you know God's given you some instruction right now? You know it. Put those hands up. And so now, are you hesitating? Are you adding a few conditions? Do you want to be sure how it's going to turn out? I don't think you'll get those answers. I do believe you can get greater clarification from him, but I don't think he'll tell you how it will all turn out because that wouldn't require faith. Mary expressed her feelings, her emotional feelings, in a song of praise that we refer to as the Magnificat. 
And that's really the first word of her song in Latin. In English, it's magnifies. At verse 46, on the next page, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. Mary regarded being used by God for his purpose as a great blessing, though he altered, no, destroyed her plans for her own life. Is your greatest desire to be used by God for his purpose? You have to decide that. Is your greatest desire to be used by God for his purpose? Or do you receive instruction from God as recommendations that you may act on if you choose? Is your greatest desire to be used by God for his purpose? even if it differs from your plans. I'm about to get warmed up. Do we think we ought to stay a little bit longer, Susan? Counselors will come to the front. You know, and it may be that you're struggling with something and you want someone to talk through either something I've said or, or, or you say, you know, I, I don't know that I've experienced the spirit overshadow me. Can you pray for me? Can you pray with me? Can you talk with me about this? The counselors will be here to talk to you and there's also the care connection room across the concourse if you want a more private place to speak or pray with someone, they'll anoint you with oil for healing as well. Father, I pray that we would see ourselves rightfully, that we would identify ourselves as your servants ready to say yes to whatever you ask us to do. Lord, help us to never hesitate to ask for clarification, for understanding of what you want, but Lord, that we would never hold you at arm's length and ask you to comply with our plans, but rather we'd be eager to fulfill your purposes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 to get into contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.